True heroism is remarkably sober, very undramatic. It is not the urge to surpass all others at whatever cost, but the urge to serve others at whatever cost. Arthur Ashe. Hey everybody, welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. So the show today is coming to you on location from the Veterans Day celebration at Local 1150's Union Hall in Stratford, Connecticut. We just finished up the flag ceremony, right? We changed the flag like we do every year. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. So anybody who doesn't know, we've got a flagpole out front, and we've got a lot of military members in our membership. A lot of them donate their time through the TVC. And we have a, a whole ceremony down here where people come out, they do a, a military changing of the flag, and it's really nice to watch, especially on Veterans Day. It really is. It's a nice way to honor veterans, to remember veterans. Um, and, you know, we cook some food, we have some drinks, and uh, people just kind of hang out and, um, you know, have a good time. There's been some great raffles today. They got some pretty cool veteran uh, business-sponsored items. Yep. Which... I, I missed the um, the total amount of the 50-50 raffle, but do you know what it was? I don't, I don't remember the I don't amount. know what it was either, but um, whoever won donated the, the winnings back to the TVC. So yep, that was Greg. Good on him. That's awesome. Um, so today's show is going to be a little bit different, right? Kind of a casual show, um, just like we did last year. Um, we are not going to make it just purely a veteran show. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff because there's a lot of stuff going on in organized labor right now. Um, you know, we have uh, a couple of strikes that were just settled recently. The UAW is the big one, right? They settled with the, the big three, and we're going to talk about what's in those contracts or in those agreements. And, um, and just as we're recording this, just days ago, um, SAG-AFTRA uh, uh, finally settled with the studios. So the actors are going back to work. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and then maybe we'll grab some people uh, from the crowd and bring them on the show and talk about whatever they want to talk about. Sounds good. Right? So, um, so, so let's talk about the auto worker strike. Yeah, so this was a big one. Um, I think it lasted, what, about six weeks? Yeah. And it was a different, I think, approach because all three were on strike at the same time. Yep. Um, so that definitely was a new way of putting pressure on these companies. And it was interesting to see the way that they kind of strategically struck certain places, certain plants. Um, at different times, they kept the companies kind of, you know, off foot. Yeah. And it was effective. I, I, and I have to tell you, as an onlooker and, and a longtime union guy, I, I didn't think it was a good strategy. When I first heard about it, when they first started talking about it, um, I thought, wow, bad idea. Why don't you just get everybody... Uh, out of work especially because at first they were talking about there were certain plants that you could shut down that would bottleneck the the whole industry right uh, transmission plants engine plants i think were a few of them um so i was surprised too i'm thinking to myself why not you know you've got pull your best card and use it yeah um but i think part of the reason they didn't do that is because they knew that it could have rapidly depleted their strike fund sure um and that was a big concern especially because we saw over the course of the strikes there was 
some layoffs that rippled throughout the industry yeah. at other UAW plants yep. as a result of shutdowns that, at the Struck locations. Yeah. Um, so I think that they wanted to really make sure that they kept their unit strong throughout the entire country. And they did, right? They kept it strong, and they and at the same time, you know, to your point, they they were able to keep some of their members on the job earning paychecks, right? Um, which which kind of made me think. Why didn't the automakers lock them out? So a, p- a point of emphasis on you know the whole striking certain locations, they did not when when you strike and you cause a shutdown in another plant due to that strike, the employer in most cases, most contracts isn't required to pay severance or you know right. anything to the workers. So that was a big concern. Um, and I think a, a point where the companies really could have stuck it to the union, look, you're not taking care of your members, look what you're doing to them. So yeah. I think by strategically striking, they they were able to take care of people, you know, more effectively. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, you look at you look at the terms of the agreement, what they were able to get certainly did not get what they started out asking for. They, you know, they shot for the moon. You know, when they first went on strike, we heard numbers like 40% raise. Right. That right? was the big one. Yeah. Um, but uh, but they got significant increases. I think at first they were saying they wanted the four day work week, too, which, yeah, you know, I think that in manufacturing, my own opinion, that's a tough sell. Right. Yeah. You're not making money if you're not manufacturing. And that's it. Uh, you can't do it in four days. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so so let's kind of go through these and look at some of the highlights of, of the agreements and what they got. Very similar, all three deals, right? There are some very minor uh, differences between the three, but essentially they're, um, they're pretty similar. Um, so GM was the most recent one to, to uh, settle. Yeah, another way I'd like to phrase that, GM was the last to settle. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I'm a little sour on GM lately. And why is that? For the disposable engine in my uh, (laughs) Sierra 1500 pickup truck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anybody wants to hear that story and they see Jason, stop Jason and ask him about his pickup issues. Yeah, and my $8,000 repair. Thank you, GM. (laughs) Oh, sorry, $7,000. They gave me a discount. Oh, how generous. So, GM, yeah, last to settle out of all the other companies. And, you know, it's funny because you watch them all bargaining. And once Ford went first, you're kind of looking at the other two, like, well, what are you waiting for? You're right. losing hundreds of millions of dollars a day. You think you're not going to give the same deal? Yeah. Um, and listen, I, I have, before we start talking about the numbers, it's always my opinion, and all I'm always shocked by it, right, when these huge companies just, they let, it, like the studios with the actors as well, they let these folks strike for such long periods of time, they're losing so much. Yep. They're losing so much more than the workers are losing. Um, and, and and they they can't understand, I guess, that the cost of settling that strike immediately or, or not even letting it happen is so much less than letting them go on strike. That's what feels so vindictive about it. You heard comments in different yep. industries about, you know, especially the actor strike or whether it was the actors or the writers. I think it was the writers. They said, you know, our goal is to wait for them to start losing their apartments and their homes, and then yeah. they're going to have to come to the table. Yeah, it's you incredible. Know, it's, it's not about the rational argument or the money. It's just about we have to win and we have to make them suffer to the point that we feel like we won. Yeah. Um, so and, there's substance to the union's fight, right? And there's just, it's contempt 
on the part of the of the employer. That's the way I see it. And yeah. you know, I think the most striking detail in all these is the amount that the offers increase due to strikes. Yep. And we'll highlight each of those, but you right. know, those are the most important. So if you don't mind, I think we should maybe go through these in order of who settled first. So maybe start with Ford. Yep. Um, so they had a, about a 25% wage increase. Yep. Um, Ford workers received a total of 23% from 2001 to 2022. So in 21 years, they got a total of 23%. And, and now in one contract, they got 2% more than that. Yeah. And another stat about temp workers, a lot of people don't realize this. You could be a temp worker at a lot of these car companies for many years. Yes. And that was another source of contention in these negotiations was trying to get people full employee status um, and out of that temp status. Right. Um, but temp workers were held to a different standard and these temp workers are getting a raise of 150%. Right. And immediately, I think, right? Or is that over was. the life? I believe it was. Uh, that might have been over the life. It might be, yeah. At the Sterling Axle plant, they're getting an 88% raise immediately. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not, I wasn't able to find out why that is, like why it's so high. Um, it's obviously, they were way, lagging way behind. And that's what you got to remember for anybody listening to these numbers and thinking like, wow, that's amazing. I wish we could get that here at Sikorsky. Well, we haven't been drastically underpaid for 21 years, as right. Steve said. Yep. Right? Like getting 23% over 21 years, you're due for that. You're making up for lost raises over many years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look at uh, if you look at some of the hourly rates, right, in all three of these contracts, the 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 high rate is is under forty five dollars an hour. Yeah, and that's right? why they had room to grow that top wage increase by thirty three percent in this contract. Yep. Uh, the starting wage they jumped that up sixty eight percent. Yeah, that's awesome. And then all three of these companies restored um, cola, which was a big big thing that yeah. the, these companies had taken they negotiated with the unions um, back when things were really tough during the great you know recession yep. and the unions gave up these givebacks just to keep these companies afloat and they were supposed to be temporary givebacks and if you remember these companies are now making record profits and right. these temporary givebacks were never restored so yep. unfortunately they had to go and strike the entire industry to demand back a cost of living adjustment when inflation's at what it's at right it just shows you you have to fight for every single thing. Yeah, you have to fight for them to keep their promises. You know, and we started off talking about um, Fain, who led the negotiations for the whole UAW, and the playbook that they used. And I think whatever playbook you use, you have to have an effective playbook. But the real secret sauce to this whole campaign was solidarity with the members. Yeah. And having people willing to strike, having people fed up, and having people willing to hold the line. That's what led them to these agreements. Yeah, if and, and I think I, I think also a, a factor in this particular strike that you don't get like when folks like us go on strike is the public support, right? Because it's a product that the public is buying, right? So you know when when we go on strike, we're building helicopters. The public's not buying helicopters, so there is a different element there. There is a different. Um, kind of attitude with the public, and the public was really supportive of this strike. Yeah, I think the public is feeling, you know, I'm shopping around for cars right now. The, they're feeling that cars are higher prices than they've ever been. Um, the union did a really effective job of showing how high the wages and the dividends have been for CEOs and for stockholders, yep. and they're the only ones not taking care of the workers. So yeah. I think it was a, a very easy argument to make, and I think the uh, 
regular consumers were already primed to support them for all those reasons. Sure, sure. Um, they, they did a great job. To sum up Ford, the overall increase in the offer um, after going on strike, the offer increased 100%. It's, uh, that's incredible. 100% more. Yep. For, for six painful weeks, you know, the yep. strike's not easy, but that's worth it. Yep. So, so um, just, and again, you mentioned that all of them um, restored COLA. All three automakers also, um, they, they got, they eliminated the, the tiered wage system and um, and restored wage progression as well. So they have, like in our contract, they have an automatic wage progression system that was paused years so, ago. So imagine you weren't getting the wage progression. You were also limited to that low number over 21 years right. You know for raises. Yeah. They really took it on the chin for a long time. They did. They uh, did. Uh, so... Next up, Stellantis. So they own a lot of different brands. They've got Jeep. They've got Ram. They've got, uh, I don't know, a whole handful. Yeah. yeah. Um, European company. So they're used to negotiating with unions. Right. Heavily union in Europe. Yep. Um, they ended up with 25% wage increases. Temp workers are converted to full-time, and they're going to get a 168% raise. That's awesome. Isn't that? That's the power of closing some tiers, huh? Yeah, right. I mean, that's crazy. That is. Um Workers at Mopar, they're going to get an immediate 76% raise. Yep. Um, and that's, you know, huge. Starting wage increases, 67%. Uh, the top wage is increasing again here, 33%. A lot of similarities you see between these. Yeah, you know, a lot. Which, again, brings you back to why did you wait so long if you're GM to settle? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that long, but yeah. every day costs money. Yep. Um, and since the strike started they raised their offer 103% at awesome. Stellantis. So then GM, uh, and, and like you said, they waited They waited longer. They settled last, um, which is interesting. I guess they thought that their, their offer was good enough, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think they thought their offer was good enough because if you jump right down to the bottom of our list, right, their offer increased only 50%. Yep. over the, the period of the strike, which means they started out with the best offer. Yeah, but they also had some, I think, in, intangible things in this offer that really brought it home. Yeah. Um, and one of them that I guess I'll just jump to right away is they were able to bring a couple of plants, um, two GM subsidiaries under the UAW master agreement. Yeah, that's so big. For anybody that doesn't know, a lot of these companies, as they're moving to electric, uh, GM especially, they started, I think it's Altia might be the brand. Mm. They started a battery company with, um, I believe it's LG. And at the time, they had opened it, I think, next to the Lordstown plant, um, which was a shuttered GM plant or a largely reduced GM plant. Um, Those employees had been laid off for the most part, and they offered to hire them back under this new battery company. And since it's a new company, they don't have to follow the GM contract. Um, So they bargained a new contract, and I think they started around $16 an hour, whereas the employees at GM were close to, I think, $50, $60 an hour. Yeah. Um, so to bring these into the master agreement where they're subject to that UAW contract, it's a huge win. It's securing the future of you know these electric jobs. And, and, and that's the point, right? It, you heard a lot of conversation during the strike about you, you know the, the actually the companies themselves were were trying to bring the union, closer to them right trying to drop the union's demands by by almost threatening by saying look 
you know, the future of this industry is in electric cars, and you guys aren't going to build electric cars. You guys aren't going to build batteries. Yeah. Right? So that it was almost a threat. Like, you better get your money now because you're going to be out of a job in a decade. Well, then they were crying about how do we compete with these other, you know, foreign companies that are producing here, especially the, the electric vehicles. Yep. And then you look at what did Toyota do a few days after these agreements settled? They went and gave out big raises all over the place. Right. So. It's that, you know, rising tide raises all boats. Yeah. Um, the whole industry goes up. So, you know, it's not that competitive of an advantage when they end up having to match the wages and everybody's back on a level playing field. Yeah. It's um, so listen, you, you know, the 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 big three automakers in in this particular negotiation and during the strike, I think they took it on the chin. Right. They 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 made a tactical error in letting this strike drag out for so long. They lost a lot of money during the strike. Um, but there's some other stuff in here, right? a, a $5,000 ratification bonus. Um, I think that's across the board with all three companies. Um, you know, they, they're, and I didn't read any of the details and it would bore you anyway, but um, you know, healthcare, healthcare improvements across the board. I know that they, um, you know, they have a similar system for retirement that we do. Some of the older folks still have a pension. Some of the newer employees don't, but they have an enhanced 401k. Um, they got improvements on both of those retirement benefits. Yep. They also got a 25% wage increase over five years. Yep. Um, 33% when you factor in COLA. Right. Uh, the starting wage ended up getting increased over $30 an hour. The base wage got increased uh, over $42 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, they got rid of the wage tiers, as you said. Yep. So a lot of big gains there. I think these companies thought they could, you know, put a few facts out there, a couple stats about how great their offers were, and they'd be able to shame the union and have them say, "Look, your members are going to want this because look at these numbers." But yeah. nobody bit. You know, nope. nobody nobody fell for it. Everybody stuck together, stood together, and yeah. So it paid off. so just kind of looking through it, Stellantis. Um, Stellantis, they 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 brought three new battery plants into the contract, right? So three just in Stellantis alone. That's awesome. Um, they they got uh, paid parental leave. That's great. They and I don't. I'm assuming this is an hourly thing. So skilled trades got a dollar fifty tool allowance. So not sure which trades those are, right? But but certain workers got a, a buck fifty. I'm assuming an hour as a tool allowance. These are probably folks that have to supply their own their own tools for the work that yeah. they do. I'm sure Snap-on celebrated that one. Oh yeah, <laughs> Heck yeah. they started rolling trucks that yep. way. Um, and and um, here's another big one because we've talked on this show about the cost of this. Um, they added Juneteenth as a as a paid holiday, which yeah. The cost, really like you said, the cost of adding a paid holiday is massive. Yep, really big. You know, it's funny when you we're going to talk about SAG and uh, talk about the actors. And when you look at kind of the similarities across the industries, right, with GM and with the battery plants, it was critical that they get these under the master agreement to protect their futures. Yeah. And same thing with SAG when they were negotiating about AI and the future and the way that could be utilized. They knew that they had some hard lines they had to take to protect their jobs. Um, And it's kind of interesting that we're seeing technology and the way it's emerging just in these negotiations across different industries. Yeah, you have to capture that. I mean, we as unionists, we talk about that all the time about, you know, 
the, the ability to capture those new and upcoming jobs, right, that, that are technology-driven. Um, and, and, you know... You have to have a plan to adapt. Yeah. I mean, we see at Sikorsky tons of technology coming in. Jobs change, you know, programs change, and you have sure. to be able to adapt and grow. For sure. And, um, you know, I'm reading here, they, they got um, EV training, right, in, written into their contract. So, so electric vehicle training, right? So they're not just... They're not just saying, hey, we're going to organize the battery plants. They're, they're saying, hey, you're going to train our members to, to work on EVs, to build EVs, right? Because, because we want to compete with the European companies that are clearly right now ahead in that game. Yep. And, you know, I think the other thing that's cool is they're, they got the strong contracts now. Now they're going to use those to go out and try and organize the rest of the industry, try to get some of these foreign companies, you know, organized under UAW, which yeah. could do great things for them. And they're hoping to come back and have a lot more people negotiating at the same time. Because one of my favorite features that they did here is they timed the expiration date on all of these contracts for the same date in 2028. And it's going to be, I think, the day before International Workers Day. <laughs> so if they don't get an offer they like, all these companies will strike again on International Workers Day. That's great. And they're inviting other unions to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, so that'd be pretty cool to see. Yep. So a couple of the richest guys in the country need to be on notice, right? Um, Jeff Bezos is is on notice. The Teamsters put him on notice a year ago and said, hey, here we come. We're creating a new division of the Teamsters just to organize you. And um, Elon Musk now is on notice. Uh, the UAW is going to come after him. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw it. Musk has been getting slammed in Sweden. Really? Uh, yeah, there's a big strike um, at Tesla and I told you, you know, we referenced how Europe's a little bit different with their unions. Yeah. They are shutting him down all over the yeah. place. Yeah, Elon Musk is, is, you know, look, he's got a lot of money to waste, but um, but he's in trouble, right? He He's pretty much destroying Twitter or what is X. Oh, the amount of money he lost off the value of Twitter is insane. Insane. And, you know, he's funneling money from, from that business to try to keep Tesla afloat because Tesla's hurting bad, too. Um, yeah, um, good on him. Let's move on and talk about the SAG after strike settlement. This only happened a couple of days ago, so we really don't have a ton of information on it. Uh, the union's actually keeping it kind of quiet right now because they want they want their folks to look at it first, right? Which is that's fair, right? They want their members to be the first to read through it and vote on it. They have a hundred, I, I think, a hundred and sixty thousand members that need to vote on, on this contract offer. So that's a pretty huge ratification effort. Yeah, not a short order. No, it's not. Um, so, so here's what we know about it. Right? Again, there's not a ton of details, but according to the union. Um, they, they made significant gains um, and increases to minimum pay. And just keep in mind, you know, if you're listening to this, you might think, oh, the Screen Actors Guild, it's all a bunch of millionaire and billionaire actors. Yeah, right? no, it's not. It's not. It's not at all. Couldn't you know, be more wrong. It's folks, you know, it's folks who are doing what we're doing right now, right? Folks who are doing podcasts, folks who are, are doing little shows. It, it's it, There's a lot of people who are not making a ton of money who are members of 
the Screen Actors Guild and after. Yeah, we're talking industry minimums probably. And you know, yep. these are people that are really scraping to try and get into the industry. Because yes. you got to remember with that industry, it's such an industry that everybody wants to get into that yeah. there's a lot of supply of people willing to do the work. So. Yeah. Um, significant uh, increases in benefits, which, which again, it, this industry is really unique. Right. Because it's not like us. Right. The, the, these folks aren't they don't get 30 year jobs, 40 year jobs. Right. These jobs have an expiration. Every one of them. Right. You get on a show. Uh, you're that that show's contract is going to expire at some point. Right. right. So your benefits need to be need to be, you know, formed in a way that, that, that helps you. Right. Yeah. That can sustain you for your for your life. So. And that's where the AI protections became so critical to this yeah. industry because they were going to utilize AI in a way, and I'm sure they still want to, where they could hire in, like for the writers, they could hire in a writer for you know a day, do a lot of the writing, or hire them for an initial script, yep. and then just use AI to tweak it throughout. Right. Um, and have AI mimic that writer as it learns from the stuff they've already produced. Yep. And, um, and that's not going to be allowed. And then, uh, which is good. Same with the actors. At one point, I had read that they wanted, um, in one of the offers, they wanted the right to scan people, pay them for one day's acting, mm-hmm. and then use their image in perpetuity. So, which with AI, you you could have someone. Yeah. You know. So main- I think about because I'm I'm a Star Wars fan, right? So I like watching all the Star Wars movies and all the shows that are on Disney about Star Wars, and um, they under under those old contracts. They owned everything. This stuff wasn't even thought of. So I can think of there there are many scenes in some of these new Star Wars shows that are on the Disney Channel that um, that use AI and they use old images of like Luke Skywalker and, and all these older characters. And they didn't have to pay anything for that. that They're crazy? just using them because they own it, right? So all of that kind of thing has been addressed in this contract. And so now not only are actors going to get paid if their image is used through AI, but there's, there's a consent requirement as well. So the, the studios no longer own their images, right? The studio has to go ask you, hey, we want to do a commercial and we want to use your, your image through AI. Can we do that? This is what we'll pay you if you let us do that, right? So... Um, you know, Fran Drescher, the the president of SAG-AFTRA, the nanny, uh, the, <laughs> yes, um, she she said that um, she made a statement, and in her statement, she said uh, previously the studios didn't have to ask for consent to use anything if an actor was under contract. Now they have to ask for everything. So that's, that's awesome. awesome, right? They need permission and they need to pay. Um, she also said that. Uh, this agreement is a quote unbelievable deal for the lowest paid members of SAG-AFTRA. So you know those folks that we're talking about, right? That are behind the scenes, um, working working in the studio, they're apparently getting a really good deal. Again, we don't know the details. And you know, you look again. I like to compare across different industries. You look at UPS, you look at the auto industry, and you look at SAG. They all fought for the lowest paid of their industries to 
have their raises yes. and benefits increased. That's what unionism is all about. U- UPS, you heard there was a viral video of a driver saying, listen, this current offer, I'm already getting what I need. I got what I need, but I'm ready to strike to bring up the temp people that need, you know, the part-timers yeah. that need our support. And yeah. across all industries, that's what it was, bringing up part-time, bringing up lower-paid and everybody's standing together. Yeah, let's face it. Unions are really strong right now. They're striking all over the country, and and they're striking to success. Right? It's they're not falling on their faces when they strike. These are fantastic deals, all of them. These are incredibly successful strikes. Yeah. I think the only way you fail is if you waver in your commitment to strike. Yeah. If, if you show weakness, you know. Yep. That's where you're going to crumble. Yeah, I agree. And, and listen, you have to be, I think you have to be reasonable about what you're asking for. You have to be willing to negotiate. Um, but, but you know, you're right. Right. You got to know your cards. You got to know the industry. You sure. got to know, you know, what the business can sustain without going, you know, belly up. Yep. Um, and you also have to know what your, your members can stomach as a union. Yeah. You have to know that you have the support and, you know, people aren't going to, you know, falter under the pressure of the company right because these companies all tried to pressure you know and divide and conquer Mm -hmm. and it it just didn't work so um the one thing we didn't mention is that um this deal with SAG-AFTRA also includes uh streaming residuals and bonuses so that was a that was a big point of the strike when they went on strike there were there was no provision that addressed streaming services because the previous contract kind of came before streaming got huge so they now have you know the ability to get residuals and and bonuses for stuff that's on streaming services yeah you know i might have made light before but fran dresser did a hell of a job she really did leading this she really did she really united everybody um and she was tough and she did it from a from another country i didn't know that yeah she lives in ireland Oh, wow. And I don't think she even came here during all of this. I <laughs> think, Yeah. I think she did it from, from as they would say, across the pond. And, uh, and what a job. What a great job she did. I don't know if anybody follows our social media, but I've shared a lot of stuff on there from Motion Picture Teamsters. One of our vice presidents for the IBT, Lindsay Doherty, is yep. out of California. And they really stood strong with the SAG uh, members and also with the writers. And it was cool to see. Um, but there was a lot of posts from these unions thanking the Teamsters for standing with them and refusing to cross picket lines. And for anybody who doesn't know, that's one of the coolest parts about being a Teamster. All these contracts are written so that we don't have to cross picket lines. Yep. And that's one way you see you know, solidarity across the industry. And it really helps, whether it's Starbucks in Boston not getting deliveries when there's you know one person picketing. Or whether it's you know out on the writer's strike or actor strike. And listen, that's that's a um, you know that's a credit to our our new general president. You know, Sean yeah, O'Brien is... makes it very clear when to every local when you go into negotiations, this is a provision you need to negotiate. Yep. If you don't have it in your contract already, you need a refusal to cross picket lines provision in your contract. Yeah. At be, because he knows the power of that, right? He understands the power of that, um, and, and it's, it, it's, it's doing great things. It's really helping out a lot of other unions. Yeah. As a member, you could come to a meeting, you could hear you know, the directive like that, and then wait a few weeks, watch the news, and you're going to see it in action. Yeah. Because that's you know, just yeah. how it happened. For sure. So let's see if we can um, grab somebody off the floor and, and bring them on the show, and we'll um, 
we'll uh, we'll we'll bring rank and file members onto the ten to twelve podcast. Sounds good. All right, so we grabbed Terry Pasito. <laughs> Terry Pasito. If anybody is a member of Local Eleven Fifty, they ought to know who Terry Pasito is. Um, Terry Pasito, currently a business agent, but really soon to be a, a retiree. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, looking forward to that. Yeah, I am. I'm just hoping that I make the cutoff. You know. Yeah. Thirty-seven years, and I'm. Like 154 on the list. I yeah, don't know. Teetering. You, ha- you have to go anyway. I, I, I might have to spend one more year here. You, I don't know. No, you made promises. <laughs> That's it, pal. So, so let's talk about your your service to. Well, we can talk about your service to our country because it's Veterans Day. Yes. Right. And happy and, Veterans and then, Day. And then we can talk about your service to the Union. Let's start with your service to our country. You served in what? I was in the United States Air Force. Yes, uh, me too. 1980 to 1986, yeah. All right. And and what'd you do? I was a communications specialist. I, I was a Morse systems operator, wow. which is not a job anymore. Not a thing anymore. No, that's that, the did he did he did Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an antiquated system. That's pretty good for an antiquated guy. I I looked up my base. I served time in England, Chicksands, England. And uh, my base is now a museum. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's a true story. Yeah, the base I served at um, in Germany is now like a little municipal airport. <laughs> my little oh, little wow. gas-powered planes fly in and out of there. It used, it used to be F-16s, but now it's little... You know. That means one that's thing. funny. <laughs> that those places are old. They're old and so am I. <laughs> That's right. So, um, how did I not know you were a communications guy? Here I am, the communications director of Local 1150, and I never pulled you into the fold. Well, the the true side of it is, is I did not communicate. I was a spy. I listened. You uh, listened. I listened. That's to everybody pretty else. cool. That's why yeah. you don't talk a lot. You're That's, a good listener. <laughs> I'm a good listener. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, so you spent all your time in England? No, I spent two years in Korea. Two years in England and then six months in Washington. Two years in Korea, at Washington State or Washington DC? DC. DC. Yeah. Were you but, working for the president? No, 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 no. I had a not very important job when I was. <laughs> you were the only guy in DC. I was looking. That didn't have an important job. Hey, it's kind of like the union, right? I really kind of had nothing to do <laughs> for the end of my career. That is not true. But but that's you were in Korea for how long? Two years. Two years. That's why you like kimchi. That's why I love kimchi. I don't yeah. understand it. Yeah. I don't get it. But, yeah. okay, you like kimchi. Now, now I know why. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you for your service. Yeah, um, but but especially thank you for your service to the union. Um, you know, I, I know we like to joke, right? We like to joke <laughs> about it. and, and but, but it's a big loss. Yeah, I, I, it's a I lot mean, of work. You, um, you know, you spent a lot of years serving this union as a steward and then as an agent. As the chief, you were the first ever chief labor, labor steward, steward for Local yep. 1150. Um, uh, so, so talk talk about your service to the union a little bit. That makes him like your forefather. It, he is. So He's, I yes. <laughs> so, I've been called a lot of things, not a forefather. <laughs> so. I didn't. I didn't get involved. I was always an active member. I loved the union, um, and I will till the day I die. Um, but I never got involved in the union until my kids were grown, because I thought it was one of those jobs that you really had to put a hundred percent in, right? And if you couldn't put a hundred percent in, you shouldn't do it at all. So, yeah. I was probably in my late thirties, early forties when I got in, um, and I loved being a steward. 
I served under Rocco and Harvey. Um, yeah. And then they, yeah, they, they opened up the chief labor spot. It was a voted position. I won the election. I remember. I, yeah. came, I came in second place. Ooh. <laughs> I remember that election. Oh, I forgot that when I said the forefather. Yeah. <laughs> you can call him daddy. <laughs> listen, I was, uh, I was in a good area you, for an election. Listen, popularity means a lot, yeah, right? It, it means it a lot. And listen, I, by no means would I ever suggest you were not the right choice. You were an awesome <laughs> steward. Um, and and a, a great first chief labor steward. Um, of course, I improved on the job yeah, when I, I would, took it. But hey. I was just going to say, <laughs> listen, I wish I had the insight that you have because I love what you're doing with that spot. Oh, I love the training sessions that you do. I, I think you're making our stewards a lot better. Absolutely. Thank you. I and, appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's important to mention um, with you sitting here on Veterans Day that you know, you are the founder of the. You are the founder. You're laughing, but you're the founder of the Teamsters Veterans Caucus here yeah. in, in, at Local 1150. Yep, you're the guy that did it. And 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 Terry, I think you know if people go back and listen to last year's episode of the podcast that we did right here at this table and talk to you, I think I said the same thing. I remember sitting in my office when I had that tiny little office <laughs> over next to Deb Johnson's office. I remember you and I sitting in that office, and you were talking about the the trip down to D, uh, to DC, yeah. the um, Operation Gift Operation card. Gift Card, yeah. and and how how inspiring it was for you, yeah. and and you and I sat in that office for probably an hour. Sorry, Rock, um, talking <laughs> about you know how you wanted to do something at the local union level for veterans and that was like the birth of the veterans caucus so yeah yeah and that's exactly what happened but it it wasn't individually it wasn't just me there were other people there was savvy god rest his soul yep ed nick corino um i think it was the three of us i'm not sure yeah um but it was all three of us that put it together it was my inspiration though because i went down on operation gift card and it was so inspiring because they, you had to give them $1,000. And like any other charity, you know, you give them $1,000 and you hope that they're going to put it in the right spot. Yeah. But under Operation Gift Card, you give them $1,000 and then you go down and hand that money to the veterans right. in Walter Reed. Which, oh, which I did that. Yeah, which I think was like ingenious. I, yeah. And that was inspiring. It was. Yeah. And I, that, I still haven't done it, and, and I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to say that, but I, I still haven't done the trip um, as a veteran myself. And, and, and you know, I, I get, I'm a pretty emotional guy, so I would probably go down there and blubber like a fool, you know, cry at every bedside, and they would be like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, um, so it would be tough for me, I think. But So Nick Corrino, and he's, he's since left the company and the union, um, but I remember his first trip. I, I told him he had to go because he was the face of the TVC as well as I was. And uh, he he wouldn't go unless I went with him. So he had to go and ask Rocco if I could send two travelers down instead of just one. Yeah. And he, he let us. And Nick went down, and it, it was awesome. So I, yeah. I really suggest it's not a sad thing. The, the most inspiring part of Operation Gift Card is when you go down there, you're expecting to see these um like sad individuals that are all maimed and blown up. Well, they are, but they're not sad. Like they're a lot of those guys in the beginning, back in 2012, 
were like, I can't wait to get back to my unit. They, they had no legs and maybe one arm, right? Yeah. But they still wanted to go back. Yeah. And they would roll around in their wheelchairs and high-five each other. It wasn't, it wasn't a depressing place. It really wasn't. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Now that trip is worthy. Um, and, and I, too, now uh, moving on from the Teamsters, right, which I love, and I, I am so thankful that I was a part of this organization, but I've joined the DAV now, and I'm going to do, I'm going to work through the DAV and try to tie with the TVC. I want to be that connection next. That's that's my next level. That's, that's really awesome. cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really yeah. Nice. Any any vision on what that looks like? Like, what types of things do you think you can do? Um. Well, I'll, I'll always push Operation Gift Card as long as I'm alive, or as long as that organization is running. Yep. Um, but but uh, there's a lot of work. Um, they do van rides, LVAP program, which brings veterans to the uh, hospital. Veterans that can't drive themselves. Or, Yep. So I'll do that, and we take, do take a vet fishing, and there's there's just a bunch of different things that you can do for veterans um, yeah. that they always need help. So you're going to try to funnel some local 1150 money into those those projects. Absolutely, that's and volunteers, yeah. and volunteers. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so I want to go back to your your time as a business agent and and a steward and all that stuff uh, because I think uh, I think it's really important to to honor you in that respect as well right um so you you worked probably the toughest area there is in in the company um that's final assembly right as an agent yeah and don't ask me how many years because i I really don't remember the first year i became a steward i don't remember yeah i don't i don't know dates either yeah i'm i'm with you but but that's that's a tough place, right? It's a tough it's a tough spot. The members yeah. are tough, the stewards are tough. Yeah. Um, but you have to be. Yeah. Right. It's a place that needs tough. So. Yeah. I had the privilege of Terry being my agent. Yeah. <laughs> I was the steward out there. Yeah. And now here you are replacing me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's I love amazing. it. Big shoes. Big shoes. And and I was um, I I was in avionics just just two days ago. Um, having a meeting with the leadership in avionics and the the meeting got pretty heated and um which which is unusual actually i don't usually i don't usually get that way with those guys i i I do have a level of respect for those guys but um it got pretty heated and and i haven't even told you this yet terry i i looked bernie chapman in the eye and and i said i know you wish terry was still here (laughs) and and his answer was Silence, <laughs> which I thought was pretty awesome. He was he he basically said, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> so, um, so I told him though when when I was stepping down and I I was retiring last year <laughs> when I was practicing my <laughs> this retirement. is your second retirement. Yeah. <laughs> I told him that you were going to replace me, yeah, and, and that me and you worked. We were very similar, yeah, workers, and I, and I too had to get loud with those guys once in a while but not very often yeah you know no i don't very often either no um but but yeah they um and, and listen i think you know maybe people listening think oh that makes you soft right if they like you you're soft that's not true no. gotta be able to work yeah i have good relationships everywhere i go and 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 you know i always thought that was the best way to do business and and i'm gonna tell you terry you don't and 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 you know i don't I don't have these kinds of conversations with you because you're like a guy's guy, right? And you don't get, we don't get emotional at all. But, but no, I, I, I 
for for many years now, I looked at you and and the way you did business with this company kind of reinforced the feeling that I had that I was doing the right thing, right? Because I always look at you and say, you know, Terry gets results, Terry's members like him, and he does things kind of the way I do. Yeah. Um, and so I appreciate you kind of kind of being a, a you know a, a model for me. Well, being a tough guy, being a bully, right, doesn't – I don't think that's always the best way to go. It, it works yeah. when you have to. Yeah. But I think gaining somebody's respect is the most important thing. I agree. And I believe that all of the HR reps that I had had respect for me. Yeah. Um, because I, I, we got a lot of stuff done. Yeah. I think you know? everybody that works with you has a lot of respect for you. you know, <laughs> Thank you. I think yeah. – if you're listening, you can hear that everything Terry does, it's always selfless. When talking before about, you know, the future of the TVC, he's saying, you know, oh, it's a lot of work to do. Not, We're going to miss you, not the work you do. Because um, <laughs> it's I your, your heart is what has built these things. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. And that's the truth. So, so Terry, thanks for being on the show. But most, most importantly, thank you for your service to the country. Thank you for your service to Local 1150. We're going to miss you. We um, love you, brother. In another yeah. year. Yeah. We'll see you. Uh, <laughs> another year, yeah. We'll, we'll see you at the retirees um, uh. meetings, right? <laughs> you know you know. I always come out here and growl at the, at the retirees <laughs> because they're holding up our steward meeting when they have their monthly meetings. So you'll be one of those guys. I'll I say, will. Get the hell out of here, Terry. We have a meeting. <laughs> it's time for our next meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, thanks for, thanks for being on, man. All right. Thank all you right. guys for having me, all and right. thanks for all the kind words. Right. Absolutely. All right, so that's actually going to just about do it um, for our show. Things are kind of winding down here. We thought we were going to pull a couple of people onto the show, but things are winding down. Um, so we got some upcoming events to talk about. Yeah, so we've got um, our membership meetings coming up. Connecticut, it's the third Wednesday of every month at 1 and 4 p.m. For Alabama, it's the fourth Tuesday of every month at 2.15 and 3.30 p.m. Florida, we've got our meeting on the fourth thursday of every month at 12 30 p.m and 3 30 p.m and then we've got our member christmas party coming up that's going to be saturday december 16th it's at 6 30 p.m at the Waterview in monroe and, and then tickets o- tickets for that will go on sale um right after thanksgiving yep and then we also do another christmas event down here now it started last year it's put on by the different caucus groups um it's a visit with santa our very own terry Pasito. Puts on the Santa costume, and for anyone who hasn't seen, uh, check out our social media. He puts the mall Santas to shame. Yeah. He is, I'm talking top-notch, 10 out of 10 Santa. Um, getting ready to retire, he's only going to grow into the role better and better. <laughs> so it, It's really true. Come on down. We set up some awesome backdrops. We do great pictures with the kids with Santa. Um, there's food. There's you know activities to do. It's a great day. Something we're trying to kick off. Bring whoever you want. And um, when is that? And that's going to be December 10th. It's at our Union Hall, um, and it's going to be from 12 to 4 p.m. Yeah, check. Uh, and, and for all of these things, right, just um, check the Union screens or around the shop. Um, for details on, on that stuff because there'll be postings up there on that. And just a word of encouragement to people. You know, you just heard from Terry. You talk about, you know, he had a passion here and it turned into the TVC. Um, 
when people come down here with things that are you know important to them you might see on social media we're starting to feature members and you know causes that are important to them things that we sponsor if you've got something that you want to try and push and you want to get involved in the union come down to a meeting and have some conversations yeah for sure uh, that's how it all starts so just make sure you get involved so that's going to just about do it as always thanks for listening thanks for downloading thanks for following the 10 to 12 podcast if you're not following the 10 to 12 podcast shame on you Go to Podbean right now and follow us. Uh, remember to let us know what you think about the show. If you love it, let us know. If you hate it, let us know. But let us know something. Tell us what you think about it. Give us an email at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. Until next time, I'm Stephen French. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. We'll see you again. Thank you.